Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Monday, April 29th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to another week of Locked on Spartans. Uh, this podcast will be a Avengers Endgame spoiler-free podcast. I just want to uh, assure you that I would not do that to any of you in case you haven't seen it yet and are still planning to do so. I will not spoil uh, Endgame for you guys. But instead, what we're going to talk about today is the NFL Draft. Yes, the uh, seven rounds of the NFL Draft and ensuing uh, undrafted free agency period took place this weekend, last weekend. That's a weird language thing there. Last weekend uh, in Nashville uh, looked pretty crazy from the the bits of the draft, the, the the chunks of the first round that I watched on TV, and I think I read uh, they had like six hundred thousand people attend the draft, or um, you know, outside the draft, they have like uh, the NFL experience type things and different stuff like that. So six hundred thousand people uh, attended the NFL draft. Uh, three days of the NFL draft this weekend in Nashville. That is um, bananas. <laughs> that is a lot of people uh, to watch uh, names be read. Uh, by the commissioner and by former NFL players and by random uh, different people who just parade up onto a stage and say a name, mispronouncing it half the time. Um, but yeah, the NFL draft was this weekend. Uh, two Michigan State Spartans had their names called. Uh, we went into the draft thinking there was a potential of four Spartans to get their names called uh, and thought for sure Two would uh, get called, and we end up coming in on the low number there. Two get called. Justin Lane and Kari Willis both drafted. Uh, Felton Davis and LJ Scott uh, end up not getting drafted and signing undrafted free agency contracts. Uh, So that's what we are going to talk about today. Uh, We'll spend a good amount of time uh, on Lane and on Willis. Uh, and then on, you know, uh, uh, you know, another good chunk of time on, on Felton Davis and LJ Scott, and we'll give mention to the other guys. You know, Matt Sokol signed a deal, um, uh, Dowell signed a deal, and things like that. So we'll give mention to the other guys and just kind of let you know where they ended up, in case you didn't see it. But anytime, you know, you're an undrafted free agent that's not one of the priority free agents, um, you know, not going straight to camp. Some guys are going to get signed to rookie. Uh, camp deals and things like that, uh, you know, long shots to make the roster. Um, you know, that's kind of the scenario outside the top four guys, uh, four former Michigan State Spartans. But we will talk about them uh, a little bit here in the episode. Reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can get this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribing is the absolute easiest way to get new episodes on your phone every single morning when they go live. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the draft. Okay, so Michigan State's uh, Justin Lane is the first Spartan drafted this weekend. Let's start with him. Uh, he was selected by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the third round of the NFL draft, 83rd overall, and continues the streak uh, of Michigan State players being drafted in every single draft since the common draft era started. I think one of only five programs to do that. And Michigan State, I believe, has the third longest streak 
of players drafted into the NFL draft. So Justin Lane continues that uh, with his third round selection to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I was just first reaction was surprised like a lot of people uh, to see him last this long. We talked in the last show uh, before the draft got going on the, the Thursday morning show that uh, Lane had been pushing into uh, the end of the first round in some mock drafts. Uh, Mel Kuyper had him up to his number three cornerback spot, uh, going 29th overall to Seattle, I think it was, in his final mock draft. Uh, a lot of people had Lane you know, pegged for an early second rounder, mid-second rounder. He ends up coming off the board uh, in the middle of the third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a little surprising to see him last that long, but still, uh, you know, top three rounds, you know, is still a good place to get drafted as a third round pick. You know, he's for sure going to make the team and have a good shot at earning playing time relatively quickly. As far as where he went, location, uh, franchise, things like that, it's tough to think of many franchises that are uh, more well-regarded, successful, stable, uh, places you want to go as a professional football player than Pittsburgh. So immediately that's that's a positive when you see that happen there. Uh, as head coach Mike Tomlin's defensive guy, uh, former defensive backs coach. So, you know, that's always a, a positive being able to match up with a head coach like that. Uh, you know, even though he's not going to be de- dealing directly with Tomlin in terms of uh, practice and different things like that. Uh, also in, in Pittsburgh, you've got Tara Lawson, who a lot of us here in Michigan uh, know was former defensive coordinator for the Lions during a, a couple seasons where they had, you know, really solid defenses. Uh, he is their secondary coach uh, after he was let go of his defensive coordinator position from the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Or so um, a guy who's had some sec- success in the NFL as a defensive coordinator and who is also a defensive backs coach. In his time before that, secondary coach for the Ravens before the Lions hired him, uh, you know, as their defensive coordinator. So he's got he's got a good sort of foundation there in terms of coaching. So that's definitely uh, positives for Lane there. You like him going into that sort of spot, especially as a guy who is a converted receiver. You know, he starts his uh, Michigan State career as receiver, starts moving into a secondary role, and then. Uh, you know, his junior season is the starting corner and develops through the season from, you know, the starting corner to the number one corner shutdown guy. Um, and just watching him throughout the year, you could see the development and you could see uh, he's a talented guy with a lot to learn. He's still really raw. He's still learning the position. And I think that I, I read some people say that's, you know, part of the reason why he fell. He's an unfinished product. He's still... Um, maybe like a year away from being able to play in the NFL because he's so new to the position. And we'll see how how that plays out. But he's in a really good spot uh, in terms of just being a part of a franchise that has had a lot of success uh, and one that, you know, it it hasn't been so much recently. And, you know, they're certainly trying to get back to that. But there's been a lot of really good defense played (laughs) uh, in Pittsburgh by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, yeah, just a really good landing spot. Uh, for a guy like Justin and then in terms of other personnel and playing time and things like that it's tough for corners as rookies to get on field that's one position where it's kind of a second third year type leap that guys tend to make where they're 
you know, they get beat up pretty badly their first year. They're getting beat up pretty badly their second year, and then things start to settle in and click. And then years three, four, five are really their great years as corners. Um, you know, just here again as a, another local reference. Think of a guy like Darius Slay in Detroit, who was a, I think a high second round pick, uh, awful rookie here, really bad second year. Uh, and then it just sort of clicked in in his third year and has since become a guy who's a top 10 uh, corner in the NFL in terms of coverage guys. So it does take time at that position. That's something you hear a lot out of the NFL. And he's, uh, you know, not going to play a ton as a rookie. I imagine he will see the field in certain situations, maybe some certain sub packages. Uh, you know, uh, starting corner gets dinged up and has to come out for a play or two or series or whatever. Uh, he's certainly someone that's going to push for some playing time, but he's backing up Joe Hayden, uh, who is not the Joe Hayden of old, but is still a solid above average cornerback, uh, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, on the other side is Steven Nelson, who was signed from the Chiefs. Um, so, you know, he's going to be starting on the other side. He's another guy who's a solid player. They've got Artie Burns there, who was a first round pick at corner a few years ago. Uh, and Mike Hilton, both those guys are going to see the field. So there's really four corners, I would say, that are solidly above Justin in terms of uh, immediate playing time. Guys that are, you know, more experienced. Uh, and they're all solid players. Uh, all have, uh, you know, above average pro football focus grades. Um, so, and, and I think that's good for him. Uh, I think it's good that he's not going to go into a spot where he's going to have to go out there immediately for 70 snaps and get roasted a bunch by guys uh, that he's just not ready to handle yet. I think Justin's really talented. I think Justin profiles in terms of uh, athleticism, length, size, things like that as a guy who can end up being a really good shutdown corner. He's certainly an aggressive guy and a tackler and things like that. Uh, I don't think you get drafted as a defensive back. or you, I don't think you get to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the defensive backfield if you're not going to tackle people. So I think they certainly like that about him. But it's just a big adjustment at that position. Uh, and he's fortunate to land in a spot where he's not going to be asked to make a huge adjustment immediately. He'll be able to learn. There's going to be you know mistakes along the way and things like that. But I think it's a really good spot for Justin. And I thought it was really funny. You know, he's from Cleveland. Uh, grew up Cleveland Browns fan. His family, uh, all Cleveland Browns fans. And immediately when he got picked by the Steelers, he said the whole family just started throwing away their Cleveland stuff. He had Cleveland Brown socks on, I think, when he was picked. Took them off. Uh, his dad got rid of this Cleveland Brown stuff, and they all started throwing on Pittsburgh Steelers stuff. So that's pretty uh, funny how that played out. Division rivals, too. So, um, you know, and him being a guy who probably felt he should have been and would have been or was going to be a higher draft pick, there's some motivation there, certainly. Um, so I feel good about uh, his landing spot. We may not hear much about him from him uh, the next year, maybe the next two years, but I think down the line, uh, he's a guy who could end up being a really good value pick for them. And, you know, in the meantime, I'm, I'm sure he'll play some special teams uh, just to get him on the field. And a lot of people um, who know more than I, who know more than, than us, who are uh, people who really study prospects and break down a ton of film and, and grade out things and stuff like that. Um, you know, Justin Lane was mentioned a lot as, you know, kind of a, a potential steal pick. Uh, I saw someone say he was the best corner in the draft. Uh, Terrell Austin said they were really surprised that he had uh, actually lasted all the way to them in the third round. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of that sort of thing. High upside guy, 
uh, raw prospect could end up being the steal of the draft uh, if everything pans out and he continues to sort of develop like we watched him develop his junior season at Michigan State. All right, let's take a break right there. When we get back, we'll talk about uh, some other guys. We'll do Kari Willis uh, next, and then we'll jump into the undrafted free agents. Reminder, you can get Locked on Spartans on the brand-new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. And now a word from ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stack of resumes, a confusing refu- confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. And you only have to go to one place to do it. ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, they send your job posting to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and then spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. They do all the hard work for you. It is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address at ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That's LockedOn. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay, welcome back to segment two of Locked On Spartans. Let's uh, stay in the defensive backfield for former Michigan State football players, but switch positions to safety Kari Willis. So uh, Kari was a guy who kind of was pegged as a late day three type guy, fifth, sixth, seventh rounder, uh, who really sort of rose up the draft boards, had a strong combine um, really impressed a lot of teams in interviews. The one thing you always saw when you would read about him, draft stock and things like that, was intelligence and character. Um, in fact, one of the Colt scouts, I was reading a thing from the Indy Star, um, said that Willis, uh, of the 300 prospects he interviewed and was, you know, assigned to 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 scout, essentially, Willis was like the top three or four in terms of football character is what he called it, but just in terms of love of the game and intelligence and being the type of person you want to have on your football team, that Willis was one of the top guys. And that's not surprising. That's the the MO on him. That's what we heard uh, out of Michigan State constantly about him. That's why he was a captain. Uh, that's why he was one of their most important players on the nation's best defense by S&P Plus. Uh, and regardless of what metric you have, you want to look at, Michigan State was one of the best defenses in the country. And Willis was a really strong reason for that. So he was someone who kind of rose up late in the process. Uh, right before the draft, uh, the word was, you know, he would be in the third, fourth round kind of range. Uh, Mel Kuyper said he'd be surprised if he slipped out of the third round. He did slip out of the third round, but it wasn't far out of the third round. Uh, I think it was the 10th overall pick in the fourth round. It really doesn't matter at that point, but it's, I think it was 103 or something like that. Yeah, it was because Lane went 83 and Willis went 20 later. Uh, so Willis goes 103, fourth round to the Colts. And again, this is similar to... Uh, the Justin Lane situation, the Colts have been a really steady, strong franchise in Indianapolis. Um, 
you know, a lot of success there. They are certainly uh, a rising team right now. We know about Andrew Luck. We know about the different guys they have uh, up front. You know, Quentin Nelson on the front uh, line there. Ryan Kelly, Anthony Costanzo. Like, they got a good line. Jack Doyle, Ebron's torturing Detroit fans. Uh, good receiver. Like, they're loaded on offense. They've got some playmakers on defense. And they really, the last couple of years, have made some really positive strides. And a lot of people... Um, are picking them to win their division, picking them to make a run uh, at the Patriots, uh, at the Chargers, at the Chiefs uh, for the AFC Championship. And one thing that just in reading about the Colts and things like that that they really wanted to address was the depth on defense. Right, They had good players, um, you know, good starters uh, sprinkled in there to their defense. Had a good draft last year. Um, I'm just looking through their depth chart right now at the different starters they got in the last year's draft. Um, but, you know, they didn't have the depth, essentially, and they really didn't have depth uh, in the defensive backfield, and that's something that they really addressed. Um, they drafted uh, three defensive backs, and, you know, one in round two, one in round four, and one in round five. Uh, so they are really looking to add there, and they were really happy with, you know, everyone's happy with what they get. Um but they were really happy with the guys that they were able to add, and one of those guys is Kari Willis. So he goes into a really good spot. Um, uh, it's a place where it's going to be a really successful team. Um, they're going to be competing and playing in huge moments. He's going to be able to get on the field uh, as a special teams guy for sure off the jump. Uh, there might be some situations that he can find himself on the field in actual gameplay, some sub packages and things like that. He's learning behind uh, Clayton Gathers, um, you know, who is a solid, strong safety. He's been in the league for uh, this will be his fifth year and is a solid player, uh, above average on Pro Football Focus. So he'll be backing him up, um, you know, with the long-term view that he could be the one to eventually take over. Um, but he should see some time, I would think, in some normal base type defenses, not base type defense, but sub package type defenses, situations like that, and definitely will play in special teams. So I think uh, another really good landing spot for uh, a Michigan State guy, a place where there's going to be good, healthy competition. He's going to be able to learn from good players, be a part of what should be a pretty solid uh, secondary and a team that is going to be competing uh, for the, the, the title uh, as, as long as things sort of break their way, as long as their quarterback stays healthy and things go uh, all right there uh, with luck shoulder. You know, Indianapolis, like I said, is, is a pick to win their division and compete to get to the Super Bowl. And so that's really uh, awesome for Kari. And, you know, he will be backing up. It's just like Justin Lane. It's a spot where he doesn't have to come in right away. Um, but the things you're seeing uh, out of their camp in terms of the GMs and the scouts and what people are saying about him is they're just like so excited to have him on the team as like the person he is, the leader he is. It's just, again, going back to that football character type stuff. Uh, it's just the guy you absolutely want to be on your team who's going to be a, a positive force for good for your team. And, you know, he's... <laughs> just a really good player, and I think uh, his athleticism was certainly questioned throughout the draft process, and he did work to quiet that. Um, he sometimes gets pigeonholed as like a box safety, but he 
you know, covered Rondale Moore, who's one of the most explosive players in the conference and did a really good job, had a really good pass coverage grade, was uh, pro football focus is, I think, 10th best safety uh, coming into the draft and is just a solid player. And I would be, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting strong safety uh, next to Malik Hooker, who's going to be a really good player. Uh, in the next couple of years for a really good Indianapolis Colts team. Um, so there's definitely uh, upside for him, for his role to grow in Indianapolis. And that's, again, a really good franchise, uh, a seemingly well-run franchise for the most part. Certainly had some up and down years, um, you know, uh, a few years ago. But in terms of just what they've got going on right now and what they've had in their past, you could certainly do much worse uh, than playing for, for that team. So Again, just like Justin Lane, really happy uh, with the landing spot for Kari Willis. All right, um, yeah, running a little long here. Let's take a break again, um, and then when we get back, we'll get into the undrafted guys. Yeah, give one segment each to the guys who got drafted, then un- undrafted guys can get mushed into one segment. We may not get to the lower-end guys, but that's okay. Uh, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with our personally curated curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Spartans. Okay, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's finish this thing up with some undrafted players. Let's start with LJ Scott. So uh, LJ technically could have applied for a medical redshirt. Or no, he didn't even have to because the new redshirt rule. Could have redshirted and came back to Michigan State, uh, elected to not add a couple hundred more carries to his workload and go to the NFL draft. He goes undrafted and is quickly signed by the Baltimore Ravens. Now, this is one where, uh, you know, and I don't know, obviously, what the offers look like, who is interested, or whatever, or, you know, why uh, Baltimore was the spot for LJ, but I think it's a really uh, tough uphill climb for him to make this team. Maybe he can be a practice squad player. We'll see. It's tough with running backs because you just, you know, undrafted guys really make it all the time. We all remember Arian Foster, but uh, Baltimore's number one running back last year was Gus Edwards, who is an undrafted uh, free agent. But uh, Baltimore signed Mark Ingram from New Orleans over the over the summer. Uh, not over the summer. We're not even at the summer yet. Uh, they signed Mark Ingram a month ago uh, to a two-year deal, and I imagine they're going to, uh, whatever tread is left on Ingram's tires, they're going to wear it out. Uh, Gus Edwards, who I just mentioned, um, undrafted guy uh, in 2018, was their lead rusher last year, uh, played at Miami, left the program, and then ended up in Rutgers. Uh, Definitely showed some ability last year. He's number two on the depth chart. Tongue twister there. Uh, Then behind him, you've got Kenneth Dixon, uh, who's still there, who's kind of a third down guy, who... Uh, has struggled to stay healthy at times, but has some ability as well. Then they draft Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State in the fourth round this year. And I don't know if you were betting uh, in Vegas who's going to be the starting running back, who's going to get the most running back carries, uh, most running back carries, that's redundant. Who's Which running back is going to get the most carries for Baltimore this year? Uh, it, it 
I think Justice Hill might give you the best value. Yeah, Mark Ingram would probably be the favorite on that bet, uh, but I think Justice Hill would give you a really good value. He's a really good player out of Oklahoma State who they picked in the fourth round uh, and could end up starting for them before the season's over. So you've got those four guys uh, in line there before you even get to uh, someone like LJ Scott. And the thing for LJ is uh, he's not someone who's going to play special teams. So if he's going to make a roster, it's going to have to be as someone who can play running back on a game day uh, for the Ra- the Ravens. And, you know, I just went through four guys who are above him as it stands right now in terms of spots on the roster. And so he's going to have to do something in camp. He's going to have to do something in the preseason to make some noise and earn a spot on this team. Now, that's certainly not impossible. Like I said, with undrafted guys, that's... It seems to happen at running back more than any other position where undrafted guys uh, make an impact and make a team that they're not necessarily supposed to make. But I think uh, LJ has an uphill battle, at least with the Ravens. Maybe he ends up as a practice squad guy, but I'm not really sure there. It could be just a situation where maybe he has a solid uh, preseason doesn't make the team and gets scooped up by another team that's a little bit thinner at running back or has a running back injury and ends up latching on there uh, and then just works his way up. Um, He's certainly going to have an opportunity in the preseason. I would imagine he was one of the handful of running backs that didn't get drafted. That was most highly rated. You know, he was someone who could have been drafted in the sixth or seventh round. So he's a more priority free agent. Then some other guys and the smaller school guys and things like that. He certainly has a history uh, of some really good football. Played at Michigan State, made some huge plays, was up and down and battled some injuries and didn't really finish strong. Uh, and, you know, that sort of, that soup, that combination, that gumbo resulted in uh, him not ended up not ending up getting drafted. Um, but he's going to have an opportunity. It's just a crowded backfield. But uh, I think in terms of his style and things like that, uh, it's a good landing spot in terms of scheme fit and things like that. We know they want to run the ball. Um, Lamar Jackson is an explosive player. We saw how Baltimore played. If you follow the NFL, you saw how Baltimore played towards the end of the season. Ball control on offense and lean on the defense, and they really ran the ball a lot. So, Uh, if anyone's going to maybe carry an extra running back, it would be a team like Baltimore. And they certainly like to feature in the run game. And, you know, they do a lot of between the tackles running uh, with their backs. And so, you know, that would fit into LJ's style. So I think he might have an uphill battle on his hands to make the team. Um, But we'll see. He's a good player. And there's been a lot of upside, a lot of flashes of a really talented running back. Uh, hopefully he can start to uh, you know put it together uh, more consistently in the NFL uh, and stay healthy and kind of get over that fumbling issue that he had at times uh, at Michigan State. As for Felton Davis, uh, he too goes undrafted, which not a total surprise because Achilles are explosion explosiveness sapping injuries. Um, the sort of word on Achilles is it takes a full year to recover to the point where you can start really getting after it and being cleared to play and things like that. And then it takes another full year for you to kind of get back to where you were before the injury happened. And that's if you have a positive recovery and everything goes well. Uh, Achilles injuries are absolutely brutal. 
uh, especially for uh, a wide receiver. I don't think there's a position in football that would be worse to tear your Achilles in uh, than a wide receiver. Um, just the the motions they have to go through, the routes that they or the way that they run routes, and the digging and the cutting and the quick twitch explosive cuts in and out and all the stuff that they're doing there. It's really tough spot to tear an Achilles. Uh, and that is 100% the reason why Felton Davis was probably taken off of boards for multiple teams. Um, you hear at the combine, the most important stuff is the medicals and guys with certain medical things uh, get completely just taken off boards and a receiver who lacked high end explosive playmaking. Now Felton, I think is a better athlete than we thought. Uh, we saw some flashes of him being a really good athlete, really explosive in terms of speed and things like that. But a guy who's not a high end athlete, someone who's going to run a four, three, five, a four, four, five, somewhere in there, I would imagine Felton was more four, five to four, six. Uh, someone with that level of athleticism snaps their Achilles, uh, in October. Uh, that's going to be enough for teams to take him completely off their board. But he ends up signing with Kansas City, which, uh, like two of the other three that I was talking about, uh, is an awesome situation for him to land in. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, the Tyreek Hill situation, which is absolutely just an awful situation um, and really was a developing story throughout the draft process and even got to the point during the draft where uh, Kansas City started taking uh, receivers and they signed a lot of undrafted free agents at the receiver position and then suspended Tyree Kill from all team activities pending a criminal investigation. So uh, things are sort of in flux there with their receiving depth chart, but uh, you know, still Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Coates, Miko Hardman are their top four guys right now. And they took Hardman in the second round of the draft, which I they said <laughs> they would have done regardless of the his situation, but I, I find that hard to believe. Um, that they would use their second round draft pick uh, on on a receiver, uh, given what they had coming back. Uh, but it's a good spot for Felton because um, the scheme that they run, uh, it's an explosive offense. Andy Reid is, yeah, I mean, if you're an offensive player, an offensive skill player, I don't think there are many coaches you would want to play for more than Andy Reid, be part of that scheme. So that's really good. There's obviously no pressure on Felton to have to get back immediately. We'll see how that medical stuff shakes out in terms of, um, you know, mini camp and training camp and things like that. Again, with Achilles, it's kind of, you know, a year long process. So hopefully Kansas City is willing to. Um, and I'm not sure how this will all play out with, you know, things like pup lists and, <laughs> uh, you know, IR and stuff like that. The NFL has all sorts of weird rules, but, uh, Felton Davis, I would imagine is going to take a professional red shirt year. Uh, and there's a lot worse places to do that than, uh, Kansas city. So I, uh, along with many people think Felton would have been a mid round pick had this not happened. I'm hoping that the that Kansas City feels the same way is willing to sort of give him that red shirt year, keep him around, and see what happens next season. See if he can get back to that level where he would be a really solid uh, receiver for them, a guy who can go up, make big plays at the point of catch, uh, and you know, 
not many situations better right now in terms of like head coach, quarterback, youth, things like that than uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You could do worse in terms of who you're catching passes from. So uh, I, I really like the landing spot for Felton Davis. Hopefully they give him, like I said, that medical professional red shirt year. He can come back next year uh, fully healthy. Maybe um, we'll see if he's you know ready for camp and things like that. Achilles injuries are weird. If he can get back, make the team show them enough that he's come far enough along in his recovery process to have him stick around. You know, it's a low risk investment for Kansas City. They didn't use a draft pick. Um, hopefully, they decide to keep him around for a little bit longer and let him get healthy and sort of see what he can do next year. Uh, and I, I think if that plays out and he stays around in Kansas City and he gets back to uh, you know near what he was before the injury happened, I think Felton could be uh, a really good NFL player and someone who can stick around for a while, be a good depth player, make some big catches, uh, and well worth an undrafted free agent spot for Kansas City. All right, that is all the time we have for today's episode of Locked on Spartans. Thanks so much for listening. Reminder, again, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Spartans. Just search it out in your podcasting app. Hit that subscribe button. Like I said, it's the easiest way to get these shows on your phone every single day. Uh, We will be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Spartans. Until then, go green.